All right, welcome back to the Hanging Hunt Podcast. Today we are going to be chatting about uh, scouting, reading maps, kind of what we look for in a property. But before we get there, you know, Billy, I think a lot of people enjoy the stories that we tell them. And it's no surprise that these stories are mostly alcohol related. <laughs> okay, Except the hunting stories. Except the hunting stories, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like the stories that we share with you, please head on over to the Hunt Urban website, pick yourself up a t-shirt. These help pay for our bar tabs. If you like funny stories with drinking, buy a shirt, support the cause, and then we get more booze money, and then we can tell funnier stories. Well, and then we can make more stories, too. Yeah. Help us make <laughs> stories. Boom. Okay, so, yeah. You know, we don't have any sponsors, man. We got we to gotta plug the shirts when we can. Well, Hunt Urban, even though that's our own deal yeah so. well, hunter urban spot yeah. mm-hmm. hey look i put money from this hand and i put it in this hand. <laughs> that's not how you pay credit cards with one with another yeah i take my wife's money and i pay my credit card <laughs> off it's freaking awesome um, uh, we do have a problem billy my wife has started listening to the podcast i know earlier she said how long have you been planning to record this podcast today? And I went, uh, just, you know, not not too long, but a little while. Uh, mm-hmm. I just shut up real quick. <laughs> and she said, yeah, because uh, Taylor knew that we weren't going to uh, have a babysitter today. So maybe he should have listened to your podcast two weeks ago. She's listening. <laughs> She's listening. I'm terrified. Uh, my wife only likes the poop stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she got here. By the way. I'd like to give a shout out to the dude. I got a DM mm-hmm. the other day that made me spit coffee out of my nose. Mm-hmm. It said, dude, dot, 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 tell your buddy that I fish in that lake. <laughs> <laughs> he fishes in the lake that you splatter back in the back of the boat. <laughs> so I had a guy the other day message me and was like, um, we should put Billy was here stickers on the back of all of those boats. <laughs> Was it the back of the boat or the side of the boat? It was like the back corner. I actually thought about it. <laughs> if I was faced with that scenario, I'm jumping off the boat. <laughs> you need to have a rope to pull you back, though. No, There's I've, gators in there. Bro, there are no gators around my poop splatter, okay? If, if I'm hit with the Bee Gees on the boat where there's little Timmy and Tommy and everybody's having the most magical $8,000 week of their life, I'm going man overboard. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I thought I was going to fall because you're teetering. There's a rail there. The last thing I'm doing is pulling my jug out. I mean, how many people were on the boat? I didn't. I don't remember, man. It's all I, a haze. It, well, I, I did have a few drinks in me that night, but no, there were, there was. It was late at, later in the evening. I mean, the the shuttles had already stopped running, so it was right. like one of the last boat rides. God, so there I, weren't that. It wasn't packed. It wasn't like ten a.m. and everyone's riding over to Magic Kingdom for the opening. Thank God it was the peop, the diehards that were there all night long. I bet people wish they had masks back then. <laughs> <laughs> Poop particles go right around masks. <laughs> Yeah, they're effective. <laughs> we'll get in. We're just going to turn this into a political commentary podcast <laughs> and just let everybody have a peace of all mind. How to not step on landmines. <laughs> yeah, with your significant other. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess what we can do is we're going to talk about scouting, reading maps, kind of what we're looking for, and then how to dissect properties. And and this is all stuff that we covered in those uh, some videos mm-hmm. that we did for Onyx. For Onyx, yeah. And I think that if anybody hasn't seen those videos, 
Um, it's worth checking out, and, and I think it's helpful to kind of see the spots that we're talking about. Now, this is in specifically those properties, the topo stuff that we're talking about. That's on bigger properties. Yeah, that was at, on a lease in Ohio, and, and you were able to see. I mean, there was there were some big chunks of ag there. Well, not too much ag there, but big chunks of timber there, and there was a lot of topography yep. that we were able to pick on. And one of the downsides to urban hunting, or one of the challenges, is we're really operating in a pretty small environment, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're... Um, if we're talking about picking a spot based on topography, you might be able to do that in in some ways when you're looking at, you know, what property you get permission on. Sure. But once so, you already have the property yeah. and it's a, you know, a few acres, you really have a few trees in there that that you can uh, that you can actually hunt. What I look at then at that point is um, if there's a certain condition outside that would make me want to hunt on the northeast side or the south side of a certain knoll or something like that, then I'm going to pick the specific property. But if your property doesn't have that feature, you're probably not going to hunt it that day. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so <clears throat> something that we've done that I think is really efficient or, or really effective is I'll take notes on each of my properties as to when it's the best time to hunt there. So mm-hmm. if we have like early season with a northeast wind or if there's a specific food source there or whatever, I can look at all the properties that we have to choose from and pick a specific spot based on that exact or those exact conditions. Mm-hmm. But something that that you know maybe we start at a higher level and just say to the guy out there who doesn't have any properties, when you're looking at the aerial view of your area or like the 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 chunk that you want to hunt in, you know, what are we looking for? So I I tend to, in those instances, look for, I tend to look for funnels and pinch points yep. that I can see. Because I, the first thing I look for when I get my boots on the ground is where's the bedding. But you can't always see that, you know, from a Google or Onyx map. It's, you know, you can see those aerials. Uh, if there's tons of houses around and then you see this one patch that you know is a, you know, more of a clear-cut area or a... I don't know, a floodplain or something that you can tell it's thick and has thick vegetation. Well, then most likely they're bedding there. But if it just looks like, you know, a, a river of trees in between um, cul-de-sacs, and then look for the most ideal pinch points. And then you've mentioned mentioned it before, and it's it's been thrown around, that turkey's foot. It, that is not only a topograph, topographical uh, feature where you have multiple ridges coming up to a hub. It can also be a uh, vegetation feature so you have all of these fingers of woods and and little small riparian or streamways between homes you find those hubs and those are key key points so i look for those immediately yeah and and something else i think is really important is there's no substitute for boots on the ground Mm -hmm. you know you can look at the aerial stuff you can you can identify these pinch points and areas but you know, when we're talking about urban environments, especially, I mean, that landscape is constantly changing. Like there could be construction going on next door. Obviously, the satellite imagery doesn't show that. Or there could be a big overgrown, you know, uh, acre lot 
that looks like amazing bedding, you get there, they're building a house on it. It's mm-hmm. stripped clean, right? Mm-hmm. So it's important to get those boots on the ground. And also, one of the things I really like to do that I learned from you is when you identify the spot, I'll just go drive around there in, in a morning or an evening and just look for deer. Because sometimes you'll think you found this awesome spot that historically there should be a ton of bedding in or or browse or whatever you're doing and maybe that neighbor's got two 80 pound you know german shepherds that are off leash running around all the time every day yeah Yeah. or maybe there's like a big deer fence there or a couple of the neighbors have deer fences and it creates a awesome funnel pinch Mm -hmm. point that you wouldn't know about otherwise so i think it's really important to drive around and look for deer and then also see kind of how they're using the area and Um, you know, one property that we hunted together in particular comes to mind when we talk about bedding, you know, this property was on a Creek bed and there was this little pocket of bamboo Mm -hmm. that was like five foot by five foot. It was Mm -hmm. just this invasive bamboo pocket. Mm -hmm. And there were a few big mature trees that were growing out of it. Yep. And Mm -hmm. there every year, one of the bigger bucks in the area was bedding in that little spot. Yeah, there were rubs all in there. Yep, mm-hmm. and you never would have known that that was a awesome bedding area because there was just this little vegetative pocket mm-hmm. that you couldn't have seen any other way. But and and that, that buck would come through from the front yard when, yep. while it was still dark in the morning, would come through in the front yard on the, like, between a fence and the house, and they were, that was close. I mean, that house, it had to have been. I mean, no more than 15 yards off of that fence. Oh, yeah. And it was so, it was such a narrow pinch, you would have never thought that deer would just walk through there. Well, he was going right to that little tiny, tiny patch of bamboo. And remember, we would have never known he was bedding there until we we were were like, are there rubs on that bamboo in there? We looked in there, we're like, holy shit, there's a bed there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was actually awesome. That that deer's uh, looking at us right now. But yeah, he, uh, you were the one that was like, dude, you need to go hunt this property now. I set up and I was playing. Yeah, I was playing like a game on my phone. It's a rut, right? And I'm screwing around, (laughs) playing. And I see this buck. He came from that bamboo and cut through the hole in the fence. And I was going out of state to hunt for a couple days. And I was leaving that day. And I called you. I'm like, dude, you need to go hunt. That deer's a big deer. And you were like, yeah, I think I'm going to go. This was on like a Friday. You're like, I think maybe I'll go there on Monday. I'm like, no, tomorrow morning, (laughs) please go there. And I was on the stand out of state. And you text me. You're like, I just smashed him. Yeah, like Mm 815. That was awesome. (laughs) That deer deer died in the neighbor's yard. Mm -hmm. And I... So that deer came in. I grunted. He came in behind me across the creek. I grunted a couple times, and he was following some does, and he just walked out of sight. And I was like, damn it. Mm-hmm. And then about 15 minutes later, I see movement out of the corner of my eye, and here he is coming back to where I grunted. And I hammered him. I mean, pinwheel 12-ring him. And he ran about 30 yards and looked back and then just reared up on his hind legs and flopped over dead backwards and i was like oh like (laughs) on one hand i'm like this is awesome on another hand i'm like oh my god because he's just dead in that guy's backyard i know and it was wide open wide open and so i got down and um i changed into my street clothes because i always keep street clothes in my car and i went over to that neighbor's house who i didn't know at the time Mm -hmm. this is a very like small neighborhood very very small i mean 50 yards max between houses yes i mean quarter acre Mm -hmm. lots and um 
I rang the doorbell and this guy comes out. I'll never forget this. He's like chewing his breakfast. <laughs> and he's like, what's up? I was like, hey, sir, how you doing? Um, I I harvest, I, what did I say? I said, I'm I'm helping your neighbors with the, the deer problem. Mm-hmm. I harvested one this morning and he expired in your backyard. And the guy looked at me and was like, well, cool. Let's go. Let's go grab him. And I'm like, thank God, right? And so we walk out in this guy's backyard, and it looked like, like I had the foam cannon at Senior Frogs in Cancun mm-hmm. filled with blood. Yeah, and it was everywhere because mm-hmm. I just I heart shot this deer, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy is walking through the blood in these little like moccasin slippers. <laughs> does not care. His house shoes didn't yeah. care. And he grabs this buck and rips his head up, and he goes. Hey, somebody take my picture with this hog. Because <laughs> like, I was on it with Eric. And, and, uh, and we're like, oh, yeah, cool, man. <laughs> we like, took a couple pictures with the guy. And uh, that guy is awesome. I actually, he we hunt his property also now. But um, I, that could have gone poorly. It could have. And, you know, that that's a prime example of a property that we picked very specifically because of its pinch points. Yes. There's no bedding. There's really no food on the property except for like hostas and azaleas you know part of the year but it's a it's a beautiful beautiful pinch point all these houses are in these neighborhoods and there's some big floodplains, and it backs up to a huge park Mm -hmm. and where this area is all the houses are kind of like they're really pinched together they're really close they're close not only laterally but then the creeks are small because that goes into a bigger creek which goes into a river so that creek's small so the backyards are pretty close to each other too and there's just this narrow strip of woods there, and then it gets a little fatter on one end and fatter on the other, and we're in the in the on the handle of a barbell, yep. basically. And and that's exactly what we would look for, and we would recommend people look for when identifying the properties to mm-hmm. check out, because yeah. you know not only those those creek bed systems tend to be just highways for deer uh, traveling in an urban area. There are a couple reasons for that. The main reason is the fact that the waters there which allows vegetation to grow and it prevents people from building there. Mm-hmm. So they can run those creek beds, you know, like a literally like a road, it's unobstructed. No houses are in there. Correct. There's in no the fences. vegetation, there's some food to eat and so that's one of the first things that we're looking for is that exact handle of a barbell. Mm-hmm. The on either sides there are bigger openings and it, it, it doesn't have to be a square. It could be a continuation, mm-hmm. but what it's going to do is it's going to funnel those deer down and it's a great spot to intersect deer travel to just see deer, find deer. And one of the things I love about that property in particular is the fact that there's no browse on the property. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about deer feeding in there when I go in there. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about bumping deer in the morning. I can just walk in. I mean, you can be in there just 10 minutes before sunrise and sure. have no issue because the deer, you know, once it, once sun comes up, they'll travel. You have like a quick hour window, maybe two hour window of movement, and then you're done. It, that's one of my favorite properties to hunt for that exact reason, and, mm-hmm. and that's something that we look for in these other properties. So mm-hmm. I would say when you're scouting, like the the what are you scouting for at a high level, quite literally is that aerial image and find those those handles of a barbell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also those crow's feet where maybe there are more than, than one of those pinch points where they all come together. You kind of have that like converging hub, and we mm-hmm. talk about that in the video and show a real good example of it. But, you know, the whole key to hunting is maximizing your potential for, for sightings. Absolutely. Right? And so if you're where, like, I'd rather be at the intersection of two or four or six trails or whatever mm-hmm. rather than just one trail. 
And so that's kind of that converging hub. But, you know, and, and you'll start to kind of get a sense between looking at aerial photos and then getting boots on the ground at these places, it'll really help you figure out, like, okay, you know, why are these deer here? What are they doing here? What's the feature that's pushing them here? And then you'll start to be able to say, oh, okay, well, you know, at property A, it had these features. This property has those features. I'm guessing they'd be here or there or whatever, and mm-hmm. then that's a great way to get on, get in and, and kind of find it. Absolutely, and when you get the boots on the ground, that's when you can find those other key features like a fence. So that property, not only does it have those pinch points, it has the creek, but it also has a fence that's broken, yep. and the deer go through it, and it pinches them down even more. Now they can still go, they can go over it, they can go around it, but it's a path of least resistance, and we've killed many, many deer going in and out of that fence hole. Yeah. Many. So I've I've also, we, we had a another property, it was a big property, that the landowner, I can't believe they let us do this, but they allowed us to put up, we put up snow fence, we put up, remember when we put the, um, the paracord up with like reflectors on it? Yeah. So what we did is we put it up and we basically made a fence in this big block because we didn't have any funnels in there. It was just wide open so the deer could bed and feed really anywhere in this big block of timber. So we went and made an X and it was a big long, I mean like each end of it was over 100 yards long yeah. and then a big 20 30 yard opening in the center of it so the deer would come and they'd hit that fence the quote-unquote fence and that we made it. and parallel it and come right to the convergence and we made our own hub yep so even making those hubs can can be crucial when you have like you said boots on the ground let's say you look at that big aerial view and you're like wow this is a perfect uh pinch point it's a it's a perfect area i can hunt and you get there and all the trees are mature they have no limbs on them for the first 50 feet, and it's wide open, and you can see for 300 yards. That is not ideal in my mind when it comes to deer hunting. Yeah. I do not like that at all, and there's no understoring ground vegetation. So what do you do in those situations? You know, Sometimes I pass on them, yeah. you know, unless I can put a camera there and find out if there's great deer, if there's a lot of sign there, maybe, but a lot of times I'm passing and looking for vegetation with my boots on the ground. Well, and also <clears throat> that scenario you're setting up, you're not only more visible to the deer to where you're like bumping them, but you're more visible to the neighbors. Oh yeah. And you know, they're having discretion is the key and knowing when a property might not be the best place to, to be hunting is really ideal. Um, and also if you're going in there to where it's super visible and those deer can see you, they're like, Oh, well there's that two legger again. Like we're not going over there today. Mm -hmm. And then also if you're on a property where you're able to kind of help stack the odds in your favor, like we were talking about with that paracord or then the snow fencing that we did. That was great because it literally put all the deer on the X, mm-hmm. quite literally. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we kill a pile of deer there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's some spots where if it's a 100-yard wide floodplain and you're not able to do that because for whatever reasons, like, you're going to be spinning your wheels a good bit there. Yeah. I mean, how many times we've talked about it. How many times do you, you see a buck here, you see deer here, you go and hunt the best side. And then they're over on the other side where you were hunting two days ago and you just follow them back and forth. Everyone's done that. And, and I've, I've heard people throw around the word lucky. Oh, wow. I just got lucky that day. Yeah, you did. I'd rather stack the odds so far in my favor that the deer don't really have a choice if they want to get from a to b they have to go through this area so the size of a 
of a pinpoint, or I'm sorry, a funnel point or a pinch point uh, is is really up for interpretation, right? Because some of those pinch points that we hunt are 15 or 20 yards across, and others are more like 75 or 80 yards across and deep. And when I have one of those deep ones, if you're if you're right on the edge of it, I'm not shooting 75 or 80 yards all the way to the other side. So then I have to hunt more in the center of it. Right. You know, and then vice vice versa, when you're in one of those real small, narrow ones, you can pretty much be wherever you want to be as long as you can shoot into it. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's also important is like figure out the furthest away those deer might be and, and set up to where you have the highest percentage or probability of a shot. There's mm-hmm. nothing worse than being, just out of range just out of range, 50 yeah. yards yeah. 60 and you're like oh mm-hmm. right where you if you had just gone 20 yards further you're smoke city mm-hmm. and you're you get you're coming out heavy and you know another, i always come out heavy. <laughs> <laughs> i go in heavy too there's a there's another property that we hunt uh and they have dogs there and dogs usually equate to no deer are going to be right there where the dogs are but the deer are smart enough that they they know exactly where the electric fence is. They know exactly where those fences or where the where the the limits of those dogs' boundaries are, and they'll bed right on the other side within twenty thirty yards of those dogs because they know. Yeah. So, dogs can be a great pinch point because the deer aren't going to walk through, you know, a pack of dogs, right? Especially big dogs, but they'll go right around them, and setting up in an area where you know there's dogs downwind of you or you know there's a property that has dogs downwind of you it's great because the deer aren't going to go downwind of you it's just like having a big bluff or a lake you know behind you and downwind the deer have to be upwind of you that's another way that you can use uh, pinch points in these urban settings yeah and and just like there's that corner of the electric fence i mean just fences in general mm-hmm. are, are awesome i love hunting fences. Hunt right on right 20 yards off mm-hmm. the fence corner i mean it, it the, those deer the, these deer know their environment so well in an urban setting and things that you might think are a deterrent where like i think the general person is going to go oh there's a fence there i want to get as far away from that fence because I don't want to feel like I'm hunting, you know, in the corner of that person's yard or whatever. But in reality, the deer are lazy and the deer know their environment insanely well. And and they know where that fence is. And how many times have we seen a deer walk to a fence, turn and just parallel the mm-hmm. thing and then cross they the just corner and then kind of peel off, right? I mean, I think they almost like the safety of walking a fence or, or something. We, we've used that to our advantage, too, when it comes to fences. So... Uh, there's another property that we hunt where we actually the deer that we're hunting aren't on the property that we are in the the tree that we're in so the tree that we're in is in a backyard that you would never hunt i mean you not in a million years would you hunt there's a pool there there's a patio there it's there's a i don't know, I think it's a six foot it's probably a four or five foot fence mm-hmm. but there's a picket fence all the way around it and the deer never go inside of it but the tree that we climb is inside of it because as soon as we get in, the deer don't care about anyone who's in that backyard because they never come out and harass them. But they always pinch along the edge of that fence. Yep. So we go into the backyard, climb one of those tulip poplars that's right there, and then as soon as we get up over the fence where we can shoot, we set up. And you have great back cover, and you shoot right over the fence into the property that we're actually hunting and the deer never know we're there that is one of the best kill trees that we have because 
I mean, we, we've been hunting there for six or seven years. Yeah, six or seven years now. Yeah. And we haven't been busted there. The deer never look over. It is a security thing. They, they're they like, oh, the backyard. Yeah. The arrows are not coming from there. They're going to come from somewhere else in these woods. Important to note, we have permission at all the properties. We do. We do. <laughs> it's not like we're just like shooting over the fence. Well, yeah, it's in a zoo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, when is your favorite time of year to scout? Boots on the ground, when is your favorite time of year? Now. Well, I mean, we're in the late season. We're going into spring. Um, and, you know, we can look for sheds and things like that. My main focus, though, is to look for the types of vegetation. Like, let's say I already have the property. I know where the pinch points are. I know where the creek, where the features, the topography is. I'm going in now to look for the vegetation. I like to look for the types of vegetation, what they're going to be eating, you know, into that late season because – I will look and I will set up trail cameras and things like that. Early season comes around. I love hunt, hunting early season for deer. But then as the leaves start to go away, as the vegetation starts to drop off of the trees and all of the shrubs and the understory, the visibility increases. That's also the time of peak rut when you start losing all of those leaves. So where are the deer going to be feeding once most of the acorns are gone, they're going to be hitting browse. They're going to be hitting that leftover mass. So I'm looking for the vegetation that's thick. It's going to have that, the food source from late October into, you know, January, February. Yep. So that's what I like to look for. And so, now is when I look for it. Yeah, I agree. I also really like being able to identify the trails this time of year because I don't want to... I feel like in the springtime, summertime, the deer are on a different pattern. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, to to get fooled by an earlier season pattern where, you know, what we're actually looking for is this time of year pattern or, you know, the November, October uh, through December, January kind of pattern where you can identify the thickets. You can find where they're likely to be bedding once all the vegetation has gone. You can find the travel routes they like or maybe figure out kind of where some other disturbances might be, where the rubs are. You can kind of find those those core areas and then figure out your access as well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're both really big on accessing an area appropriately. And I think a lot of people don't put enough attention into how to access the property using topography to your advantage, you know, walking between the houses to stay hidden. Little things like that really are the difference in in a success, <laughs> <Freudian>. <laughs> a successful hunt or an unsuccessful hunt because you bump deer that you don't even realize. Sure, and going in, like we've talked about going in while the landscapers are there mm-hmm. or while they're blowing leaves, mm-hmm. not after. You don't sit in your truck and wait, and then when they leave, then go in and sneak. Right. Because that's when the deer see the landscapers leave and then see you walking in, they go, oh, no thanks. Yeah, and we've even, gone, we've even gone as far as to be like, you know, when we're team hunting a property and one of us wants to go deep inside, you'll stay in your regular clothes or I'll stay in my regular clothes. We'll both walk in together. I'll climb the tree. You'll walk out mm-hmm. and then you'll put your gear on and go hunt. And those deer, you know, they can't they count. Don't count. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like dude in, dude out. We're good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's scary how many times we've done that. And you've shot a deer before I even have my camo on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm just dragging today, you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, Thank God I got the big guy. Yeah, exactly. So I, it's important to kind of think through those access points. And, and this time of year before spring green up is really the best time, in my opinion, and I think your opinion, yeah. to kind of go through and scout those areas out. And, and you know, so 
I guess we know kind of what we're looking for at a high level between the bedding and, and looking for those big, thick vegetative spots, but also looking at um, the trails, the rubs, all the markings, and then you also can look for sheds, and that's a true indicator that uh, something you know, a deer that you might be interested in was there. Sure. Um, and, you know, Taylor, you talked about the thick vegetation, and I brought that up too. Do uh, you know the one property I'm talking about, and it's a floodplain, it's really, really thick, but most of what's in there is that invasive barberry. It's got the real, it's got the little red uh, berries on it, and it's a really fine thorn. That's kind of, And when it gets in you, it's like a splinter. Yes. That stuff is not great for deer. In my opinion, from what I've seen, I haven't seen very many deer eating it. Maybe it's the thorns on it. I don't know if it's the taste. I have no idea. But that one property, it's thick, and you would think, oh, these deer are going to be browsing in here. It's going to be crazy. But they don't. They browse on a lot of the stumps of, like, I don't know, there's a lot of, like, maple trees in there. You'll see the, the sprouts coming off of that, and they're just mowed down. Yeah. Right? So, so knowing the vegetation, the types of browse that the deer are hunting in your area is, is critical because just because you find a thick area you know if it's all sweet gum that's six or eight feet tall sure it's going to give you a little cover but does it give you cover and does it give you food you know and does it give you thermal cover in the winter time so you want to put all those things together what's the best you know and i i like to see a variety more than anything else because deer people always say oh you have to you have to hunt the white oaks the white oak acorn is just a small percentage of the deer's biomass that it actually eats throughout the year it's, well, it's a very like a, it's small it's like a two-week window yeah because yeah because the white oak acorns germinate in the fall so if you see white oak acorns on the ground in december they're either and they didn't germinate they're rotten they they're gone maybe they had that that little maggot that gets in them but the deer aren't going to eat them they'll eat red oaks throughout the winter any type of red oak because they germinate in the spring but if you don't have those it's a very small window, and it's a very small percentage of their yearly intake. So browse is a huge one. You have to know what they're browsing on and what they like the most. Just because you pick a thick area doesn't mean it's a great area for food and bedding. Yeah, no, you need to have you know all those factors come into play. And also wind. You know, mm-hmm. what, If you have this awesome thick area, but it's only good on a south wind in order for the, you know, the deer to be able to bed there comfortably or... You know, the does are always bedding close to food, um, generally, like very tight to food most of the year. So if you find an area that's got that food, but you can't get in there without bumping them, don't waste your time. Yeah. You know, Hunt somewhere else. Yeah. Or in, in, and it's all about finding the right spot with all the right factors or some of the right factors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, I'm not saying you have to just sit on your hands until everything is perfect. Sure. But. You know, if you're going to go in and bump deer every time, don't hunt there, man. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's some places that, especially on larger properties, where you know where you park, you're going to bump a few deer, but you're not, you're not, you're not hunting those deer. You're hunting the deer that are hundreds of yards away, right? A quarter of a mile, a half a mile away. Okay, I understand that. But if you're in a backyard, a lot of times, if you bump a deer and they know you're climbing a tree, they're not coming back that night. Yeah. So I'd, I definitely would pass on, on those instances. You know, we have some of these properties that are loaded with, with uh, white oaks. Okay, that's not the property we hunt. We try to go find the, the, the property that's in between there and where they're going to be bedding. Yep. So that's the property we try to focus on. We try to focus on the pinch point between the bedding and all those white oaks. How hard is it in October when 
you know, the White Oaks are dropping really, really hard. Like they started a little bit in September and they're really hammering down in October. How hard is it to get in under those trees in these suburban settings? The deer are usually a lot of times already under there they're, midday. They're or... laying there on their back. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> like love and life. You, you can't get in there and hunt them though. Yeah. And, yeah. and you need to, um, you know, you need to figure out those access points and, and figure out how you can get between the bedding and the food, mm-hmm. or the food and the bedding, depending on when you're hunting, with the right wind, without bumping them, right? And that's kind of the fun of bow hunting in general, is like moving those chess pieces on the board and sure. slipping in to a point where you actually can do it uh, you know, effectively, instead of just walking through the woods and seeing a bunch of white tails, and you're like, damn it. <laughs> but we've also used that to our advantage. So uh, one of the other features that we've seen and we've we've used multiple times is we'll find a place that has a public trail very close to where we hunt. And that's bad because there's some, you know, people can see you there. Um, but if you can hunt strategically, you can be out of the view. But the good part about it is when you team hunt, you can send someone on the public trail and they can walk down the public trail upwind of your spot, four or 500 yards up and just kind of mosey on through and the deer are used to people walking on those public trails, but they also don't want to be next to them. So they're going to bump over 50 yep. or 60 yards right into the kill zone of where we're actually hunting. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, tips and tricks. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, I shouldn't have given that one away. Yeah, let's, we're going <laughs> to rewind. We're going to that one out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, you mentioned that. There was one property. I have a my like uh, Russian mafia tracksuit that I bought from like <laughs> TJ Maxx or whatever for like $8. It's mm-hmm. a, it's the matching uh, <laughs> colored one. But it, the reason I bought it was I it's was got hunting. four stripes instead of three. Yeah. 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 And it, it comes with vodka in the pocket. <laughs> vodka. Vodka. <laughs> the machine. Oh <laughs> uh, God. If you guys haven't watched the uh, Burt Kreischer machine, the stop. Machine. Delete our podcast and go watch that because you will laugh your face it's off. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> but um, I was hunting this park. I kept bumping deer in a you know, public park, and I bought this tracksuit. And what I did was I put it on on top of all my camo because all the people that are in that park are, like, jogging or doing weird stuff like physical fitness related. <laughs> Losers. And um, so I'd walk in in the tracksuit on the trails, and I would walk right past deer. And then I would just get to the block, and I'd take it off real quick and walk in the woods with my camo, and it was perfect. And it was also very helpful when walking in and out of the woods for the people that were exercising. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't look like the weirdo in camo, and they were just like, oh, hey, how's it going? You're wearing a 4X, you know, <laughs> mobster outfit. Look like Why? Tony yeah, it's purple. You look yeah. like Barney. Look, I found a bow. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that was that was super helpful. So, Well, do you have anything else you want to add on scouting and reading maps? No, no, I mean, I, those suburban settings. Oh, Wyatt's back to say hi. Wyatt, it's really hey, just buddy. an attention. O-R. What's up, dude? Get no, I think doing that over the overview and then the boots on the ground is critical. You actually, you absolutely have to have boots on the ground to see if, one, to confirm what you saw in that, that aerial. And then, two, you need to be able to, to see if there's the proper vegetation. Are there any extra pinch points driving around? afterwards or you know in the evenings in the mornings to see are there actually deer there i mean there's you know well and and i think the biggest thing is or i'll look for not just deer but signs of of the humans not wanting deer like deer Mm -hmm. fencing if i drive through an area and i see a a couple properties that have big deer fences i'm like yeah 
Yes. Right. Or if you see those evergreen trees that look like lollipops. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's it, prime. You go to that property and say, hey, I see that you've got tons of deer damage here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. How can I? Here's how I can help mm-hmm. you. Yep. For today, yeah. today only, free of charge. <laughs> uh, and the other thing that to constantly ask yourself is is ask the question why. When you're seeing the deer, why are they here? When you're you know seeing sign or finding sheds, why is this here? Why? What is causing that to happen? And kind of, you know, if you're a note taker, take notes. If you, if you're just able to mentally take a mental note, take a mental note. But start learning from these experiences to build on it, so that you're not just staying in the same spot over and over again yeah i hate to waste my time doing anything except sitting here recording this is not a waste (laughs) at least i get to chuckle that's my um that's my physical activity for the day is laughing oh you and i I get to chuckle and i'm like (laughs) well hopefully people will buy some t-shirts and we'll get get a we'll get a beer each (laughs) (laughs) 12 ounce curls yeah (laughs) they were little Ounce and a half curls, a little yeah, demo. You, you can you can take those. I'll take the twelve ounces. You are talking about liquor, though, right? Because I mean, I'll drink twelve ounces. Of, no, not gonna I, do that beer. I was thinking of like a nice little truly. Oh gosh, White Claw. Can't break the law when you're drinking the claw. <laughs> Have you seen the Nelly beer commercial on YouTube? You mean like Left Eye Band Aid Nelly? No, 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 no. It was I. It to me, it looks like Brad Pitt, and it's a spoof on Hi. I'm Edgar Nelly. <laughs> Grandson of Chester Nelly. Yeah, go look that up. Nelly beer commercial. So, it is high quality. It probably wouldn't go over in today's society very well, but it is it's a it's a classic. So listener homework is the machine. The machine and the Nelly beer commercial. Those are two absolutely critical uh YouTube videos that you must watch. Must Boom. Check them out. Leave us a comment below. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening on like Apple iTunes or anything, leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Unless it's less than five stars, then don't leave a review. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you like, what you don't like, and let us know any topics or stories you want to cover. We uh, we're putting together like our 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 favorite five or more. I mean, we can't count, so it might be way more than five, but uh, our, our like funniest encounters in the burbs. So if there's a story that um, that we've shared with you, let us know what you want to hear because we probably have way more than five apiece. Yeah, we're going to try to... Uh- I'm not going to put myself in jail because of this, but not least, again, not again right now. I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll give it to you raw and unfiltered. Raw. <laughs> you sound like ODB. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening guys. See you soon. Thanks guys.